Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here. I have Tom and Ed with me. I don't know where you guys have been, but I'm over here super excited about this new chicken sandwich that McDonald's just put out. Well, you would be excited about some fast food offering. Your arteries have to be harder than the Hulk's toenails. My God. What is that one? Uh, you They put chicken nuggets on a bun? No, no, no. We'll get into that <laughs> later. But McDonald's has decided to enter the chicken sandwich uh, competition, the war that's going on. And they're putting out their own spicy chicken sandwich as well as uh, some spicy chicken nuggets. And uh, the sandwich will cost only 5 bucks. I don't know how much the Popeyes one costs, but I hear it's really expensive. I guarantee you it's more than 5 bucks. But y'all are killing me with all these chicken sandwiches. It's like these R&B artists with trap. One person does it, everybody got to get on the trap wave. One person puts out a chicken sandwich, everybody got to drop a chicken sandwich. I want some originality. Somebody put out a pizza sandwich. I don't know. Give me something different, player. Pizza sandwich? <laughs> yes, I had a pizza sub from somewhere like a week or two ago. Like, this thing is brilliant. Hell, sounds nasty. Stick to filet no, fish head. Um, all it is, is just like pepperoni and then it had like cheese in it. Just like a salami sandwich. Ew, salami. Oh, Ed, I forgot. I it's if... not grilled chicken. Yeah. Excuse me. All right, you guys Ed. stick to your bologna. I'll stick to my grilled che- chicken. You, oh, stick to, you stick to that player. Ed, you got to recognize the only type of pizza Tom eats. Tom, what is it called when it's just like dough and cheese isn't that what you eat it's just cheese what like there's it's all like there's no sauce that's white pizza that's what you eat, I eat regular pizza no oh. i've had pizza with tom he's had regular pizza oh okay. everyone's What's a hater pizza on with no on this sauce? podcast <laughs> what is that's like toast i've had like, that before that? though i do have that sometimes so that is a thing they use different types of cheeses. It's not just like regular. They remove the sauce and it's like a piece of bread. That is weird. Can we talk about R&B, please? You guys are annoying me. <laughs> All right. Sorry for attacking you. You've been away for a while, so we just had to put that in there. <laughs> but <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about R&B here, guys. Can we first say R.I.P. to LaShawn Daniels, Big Shiz? One of the prolific songwriters of our time. What a shock that was. I mean, a lot of our listeners, well, I won't say that. Many of our listeners do know the impact that he has had. But I did not expect to hear that news when I got up that morning. It's crazy. I didn't realize how big his name was because I didn't realize he was on reality TV because I don't really watch So a lot of people had some tributes for him. A lot of artists, I didn't realize, knew him and worked with him, acknowledged him. So that was cool to see, too. Yeah, I also didn't know that he was on the, I guess he was on the Braxton show or Tamar show, one of those shows. But I just knew him for his work in the industry. So I was, I don't say pleasantly surprised, because that sounds a little morbid. I was glad to see the outpouring of support for him that we probably wouldn't have gotten if he didn't have that high profile. But R&B fans know how much he has done. I mean, he's a Grammy winner. He has done it all. So to lose that talent is a big blow to the industry. 
Yeah, oh, like to me, to me, Tom, yeah. he's like, he's like the static major of the Dark Child camp. Meaning, obviously, Timbaland and Dark Child are going to be the front and, and the face of what's going on, and rightfully so because they're all talented. But it's those people behind the scene, like Static, like like Lashawn Daniels. Those are the people we need to recognize and, and, and highlight their work. And actually, it's funny. I was trying to get LaShawn on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Never really got to hammer out the details, but um, I think it's important that we take this time to celebrate the work that he's done for Destiny's Child, Tony Braxton, Michael Jackson, um, Tamar Braxton recently. Um, so, super talented guy. Listen, guys, no once again... It takes someone's death for us to acknowledge them. Not us, but the music industry. A bunch of tribute posts go up. I don't even know any of these people ever knew this guy until he passed. This music industry, man, is full of a bunch of self-centered narcissists who will only celebrate someone if they pass away, which is so sad. And unfortunately, a lot of times they only celebrate them because they know it's going to get them likes and retweets. I will say yep. in LaShawn's case, though, I do think that his profile was raised due to reality TV. But to Kyle's point, it is on us and fans as well to acknowledge some of these kind of unsung heroes behind the game. Because, yeah, we acknowledge the Jark Towels and Timberlands, but 90% of the time, these dudes aren't doing stuff solo. They've got a team, and they're out here too, and they're putting their stamp on some of the best songs that you have heard in the past 10 years. So shout out to my man, shout out to his family, and hopefully we can take this as a lesson and learn to celebrate the talent we have before they're gone. Give people their flowers while they can smell them, y'all. Don't wait till they're gone. Yep, I, and I forgot to mention, he worked heavily with Brandy too. Uh, he was actually working on her new album that's set to come out, so not sure what's going to happen with that, but obviously we all want to hear music from LaShawn and Brandy, so... Hopefully that comes out soon, guys. Uh, did you guys do your research and listen to new music this week? Always. Nope. Typical, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> well, yes. Uh, let's start off by talking about Johnny Gill's new album, Game Changer 2. Tom, didn't he just drop Game Changer 1 last time and now he's back with the sequel? What do you mean? Are you going to tell us he's releasing the same album every time, Kyle? No, no, no. I'm just that saying. That was, was like five years ago. That was a fast turnaround for a sequel. Oh, it was? It was five years ago. Yes, it wasn't like it was six months ago. That was a while ago. I don't Regardless. know about five years, but it was a few years. I, I, the only one bad thing I can say about Johnny Gill, because I love what he's doing. I love the way he's putting out singles and having success with them. Did you guys see the album cover? There was a lot of negative reaction to that. Oh boy, I had some words about that. But yes, I saw the <laughs> album cover. That was some straight up silk um, clip art. <laughs> oh, but Ed, what did oh, you think man. of the album? Uh, now, get beyond the album cover and get to the actual content inside. I like this album. The first half, especially. The first half was kind of a use. He used a lot of diverse sounds, so he kind of jumped from one sound to the other, and it worked. I really thought the first half of the album was very strong. The second half got kind of, uh, I don't want to say mediocre, but it didn't match the, the level of quality of that first half. That first half was like, man, this is one of the better R&B albums I've heard all year. Second half was just okay, but 
overall, I thought it was a solid project. I know I'm. There will be folks that's like, oh, Johnny Gilstein, here he comes, LSG. That's my man. But regardless, I think that it's worth a listen. Game Changer Two was not bad. Just don't look at the cover. Hmm. <laughs> it's actually funny when I was on YouTube, I was quickly going. Uh, through the album and there was one one song that had like five times the amount of views as the rest of the album and the song was called bed on fire and yes normally the song that has the most views is either either the single or like the first song on the album and then i guess because they get bored of the album they don't get a chance to complete the whole thing so they just stop after the first song um, but this song, this is like track seven or eight on the album. I listened to it and it's fire. It sounds like something straight Ooh. from the nineties. Straight up nineteen ninety two. I love it. It speaks to my soul. So shout out to Johnny. We're expecting Game Changer three in about three years. Can we make that happen, Tom? <laughs> Hopefully he keeps it going. Hopefully exactly. he changes who's ever doing his art. <laughs> Ed, we have more bars about uh, album art covers later on. Thank you. So uh, just hold your ammunition. I will. (laughs) Uh, We've got a couple more records I want to talk about here. Uh, Usher dropped a new record with Black Coffee, and I made a post about this on our Facebook, and I said, it's not trap music, so we can all celebrate. But, Tom, I don't think I've seen anyone celebrate about this song more than George Littlejohn did. He really, I mean, it's, you, you mentioned it's more of like Afrobeat style, which, you know, George, an industry veteran, loves that sound and some of the artists that are doing that sound. But, I, I man, Usher's kind of all over the place right now. I, I mean, but you have to say it's better than some of the other stuff he's done recently, right? No question. I, I only had a chance to listen to about half the song. I started listening to it and got pulled away and never got back to it. But from what I heard, it was fine. The Afrobeat sound is interesting. It doesn't work for everybody, but it worked okay in this instance. I thought it was a vast improvement over that EP that we got from Usher not long ago. Not something I love, but definitely a course correction. So, not bad. Just remember one thing, guys. It was about six months ago when Usher was in the studio saying Confessions 2 is coming. Where did that all that hype and that buzz go? I mean, is well, that even still a thing? That's <laughs> Claire, I told y'all then not to get your hopes up. Yeah. Calm down. We're 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 still in two thousand and four where you record an album for four months and it takes two years for it to come out. Let's not <laughs> oh, think it's twenty nineteen and you can just put out a project the next day. Yeah. Oh, wait, well sounds like that E P came out the next day. I guarantee you that was recorded <laughs> in twenty minutes. Actually oh. I think you're right. I think they finished it in like three days. <laughs> Yeah, he said he recorded over a weekend, and it shows. There you go. I <laughs> uh, got a couple more records here. Uh, Mahalia and LMA, two talented singers from the UK. They have a new song out, and it samples "Oh Boy" by Cameron. Ed, <laughs> I remember when you hit me up um, earlier this week about it. You were like, "Man, we're old. They're sampling Cameron." I'm like, well, Mariah sampled Cameron before Cameron was a year old. I like this one. It's, again, it's one of those songs that is instantly familiar because it rides off a very popular beat. But 
I really have to do my due diligence and dig more into her work because I really like everything I've heard just kind of on the periphery from her. So she might have some hidden heat. I've got to dig in and do my research. Everything I've heard, I've enjoyed, including this track. Tom, doesn't Zeppelin love Mahalia? He does. Our good friend Zeppelin is a big fan and advocate for her. So if he likes something, usually it's pretty good, except when he intentionally tries to troll us and say some of this garbage is out as good. So I'll take his word on this one. I probably Zeppelin won't check does. it out, to be honest, but I'll take his word. <laughs> Wait, Zeppelin does no, that? He, he does. trolls us? Of course. Like how? When? You, I forgot what he was talking about. Remember that whole argument we got into him? He was trying to tell us something was, like, LMA was the savior of R&B or something, and he was acting like he was dead serious. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Just... <laughs> I, I missed that podcast, but I heard about this. Yeah, LMA. <laughs> He claimed that LMA had the best album in the last 10 years or something. I was like, mm, yes. not quite. Good album, but not not that level. Yep. Um, Ed, I think you'll be very excited about this one. And let me lay out the, the situation here. Yes, yeah, speaking it was, of trolls. It was like 12 a.m. Janae Aiko had just dropped a new song. So I went on our group chat. And I think in all capitals, I wrote... Janae dropped her new single. This right here is the song of the year. So, Ed, continue from there. You wake up the next morning. You read the group chat. I wake up the next morning. I read the group chat. It's from Kyle, so I assume it's either a lie or a drunk tweet. (laughs) So, there's not too much stock I put in it. But I'm like, hey, let me give the brother a chance and not be my usual evil self. So, I turn on this track. First, I go to the track. I see it's like 10 minutes long. Like, is this a video or is this a song? So I turn it on. I'm watching it on YouTube. YouTube, the video is just like these flashing images where where she just moans this thing over and over again. It's like some hypnosis. It's music that they use to convert people to the freaking cult. Janae Aiko out here putting out cult tracks. And, of course, if you look at the comments... They're like, oh, survive. Oh, it's the greatest thing. Oh, this song is so great. Oh, this song is a mood. You're all being hypnotized. You're being hypnotized. <laughs> it's the worst song I've heard all year. You are being hypnotized. Ouch. So, that is that. But, uh, Tom, have we figured out why Janae blocked us on Twitter yet? Um, I think because didn't we trash that garbage song she put out? Oh, that maniac song? Even rem- yes, exactly. Do you remember that? What song? I don't remember this. Maniac? Hmm. Mm, you don't really have it to. Was... It was... It didn't even end up on what? her album, I don't think. Yeah, so. what was that even from? Probably yeah, it was just like a non-album that this song is from. She out here <laughs> creating zombies. No wonder everybody's <laughs> falling for this terrible stuff. They're hypnotizing people. Isn't it crazy how her career kind of spiraled? Not saying she's not successful anymore, but man, she was she was looked at as an R and B savior when that EP came out. Everyone was on that thing. She sure was. All of a sudden, it's like the music has just gone gotten worse and worse progressively. It's uh, it's crazy. I mean, for fans who don't remember, if you recall the hype that her got in like the past year or so. That's the kind of hype that Janae got when she came out. Everyone was like, oh, this woman is the next wave. She's changing the game. 
And her last album, I liked it okay. I thought her last album was solid. But whatever that thing was that Kyle tricked me into listening to, no. You're going to be wandering around here like a Resident Evil zombie just moaning about brains and stuff. Uh-uh. And eating <laughs> groceries from the booty. I'm, I'm curious to hear Kyle's opinion on this, though. What do you think? I mean, what do you look at her career like? Well, I look at it like this. Her music is pretty one-dimensional. She has that moody, you know, type of vibe with her soft vocals that have worked very well for her. She was sort of like the female counterpart to Drake when he first came out, and that was super dope, but she's never really aimed for mainstream success. Post to be was like the only exception to that, but that was Omarion's record, but if you look at the music that she's released over the years, it sort of just fits her her vibe and, and what she's got going on. So um, I don't think mainstream success is what she's trying to achieve. And to be honest, that type of music that she's putting out, it's not really for the radio. So I think she's just happy in the lane that she's in right now. Well, that song that she dropped, ain't no way her intentions are going to stay on track because that superstardom ain't happening. Ugh. Well, Tom, do me a favor. After this podcast, I need you to listen to this Janae song and report no. back next week with your thoughts. <laughs> Tom, do not listen to it. If you listen to it, we'll never hear from him again. He's going to be wandering around the streets of New York just moaning. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, one more record I want to talk about before we talk about some new albums that are coming out. Calvin Richardson. Let me love on you. Tom, Calvin Richardson is back. Yeah, he's still doing his thing. He's actually huge in the South, right, Ed? He he has a big following down here. This song I have not heard because Calvin is one of those artists that just randomly pops up, like no buzz, no nothing. Just kind of like, oh, here's a song, and then he vanishes back into his hole. He definitely has his fans, and he tours here often, but this one I haven't heard. Yeah, he can't even walk the streets down there, right? He can't walk the streets? Without getting mobbed. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> Pretty sure he can get a Popeye sandwich in peace. <laughs> Ed, can Magoo walk down the streets of VA and not get mobbed? Or mugged? Oh my gosh. Had, had, <laughs> have mugged? I told you the Taco Bell story? I can't remember if I told this on the podcast. It's kind no. of a sad story. Well, I got to tell it now since I opened it up. So this is a few, well, I don't know, I guess this was, it was after the Timberland and Magoo run. So it may have been early 2000s. A friend of mine was working at Taco Bell. Guess who pulls up in the Taco Bell drive-thru? Maganu. So the person gives Magoo his order or whatever. It's like, hey, you're Magoo, what's up? Magoo says, hey, you want an autograph? My friend is like, uh, no. Just kind of want your money. And he takes it and drives off. It's like the saddest story I have heard. So no, Magoo can go get his Taco Bell in peace. Sadly, they didn't want his autograph. Ouch. And what about Chad Hugo? Is he recognizable in (laughs) NBA? I don't know if Chad Hugo is. I feel like he walks around in disguise. Because no one ever sees him. He probably walks right. around like a space, uh, like an astronaut suit on or something. 
Yeah. I would not be surprised. He is the only one of that crew that I have never like seen or met in person. I've seen and met everybody else but him. I don't know if he leaves the house. Wow. All right. Uh, let's talk about some new projects that are set to come out. Fantasia Sketchbook. We're excited about this one. Comes out October 11th. This is her first indie project. And... Ed, I know you had things to say about her album cover. What's wrong with the album cover? The hat looks nice. <laughs> the hat looks nice? She <laughs> borrowed that hat from M. Bison from Street Fighter? Oh, my oh, gosh. Huh. Listen, I'm sure that the album will be great. But that hat, I just was like, okay, Psycho Crusher. But did you hear about the drama between, I guess... The label and the single that, well, not the single, there was a song that was set to appear on the album. Apparently, it's not going to make the album. Is it the hmm. T Pain song? No, it's the song featuring Brandy and Fantasia. Oh, the yeah. song that was getting a lot that. of buzz. Unfortunately, yeah. it's been snatched for mysterious reasons. Well, Tom, maybe you can provide some insight. I think both Fantasia and Brandy are on Indies, and Jasmine's still on RCA. I think at one point all of them were on RCA. They were? Yeah. I wonder so. why Jasmine is still on there. Not disputing her her um, the quality of her music or her talent. Just it doesn't seem like labels are interested. Where mm. Where is Fantasia, though? She's on Primary Wave? Yeah, I believe she is, yep. Yeah, it's not even... Yeah. And then Brandy, I don't... Still know if we're ever going to get this album. Yeah. Like we've been talking about this Brandy album the entire time I have been with you guys. What, like five years? And we haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> is there we'll get it soon, anticipation guys. for a Brandy album? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Just, I'm just wondering if it's like died off at this point. Does anyone care? Or now, no, it ebbs and flows. Well, here's the thing: when you talk about anticipation, are you talking about real anticipation? Or are you talking about oh, we want a new album from Brandy, and then when it comes out, no one cares? <laughs> well, because that's like I every mean, '90s R&B artist. That's everything. I was gonna now. say that's that's everybody play. I'm sorry to tell you that. Oh yep. man, they demand but, new music, and then they throw it in the trash the next day. Classic R&B fans. Did you see the post from, I mean, if you're a fan of hip-hop in 2003, you got to remember G-Unit and Lloyd Banks. Someone tweeted him and was like, where's the new Lloyd Banks album? This brother's reply was so sad. Nobody's checking for Lloyd Banks in 2019. And I have to say... I have to say, a lot of our R&B legends probably feel the same way. It's depressing, but to Kyle's point... Like, if we drop an album, are you going to support? Probably not. It's rough. Well, we looked at that post differently, right, Kyle? Sure. I mean, we looked at it from the point of view of, like, these artists have to be more realistic and understand that they're not huge anymore. They've got to cater to their core fans, and they shouldn't be selling out their sound to try to sound popular. Oh, I definitely agree there. So we looked at like Lloyd Banks gets it. He understands where his place is. He's not chasing radio hits at this stage. He's you know. So I respected it. Well, the point. Well, the thing with Lloyd is he hasn't done anything. It's not even like he's dropping stuff that's totally 
like a Johnny Gill, for example. Johnny Gill is playing and creating music for Johnny Gill fans. That's why I love him and I appreciate him. He's not trying yeah. to do everything for everybody. Lloyd's sitting at the house playing Call of Duty as far as I know. So <laughs> there, there, I feel still is a market for Lloyd Banks fans. But I think at this point, he's just like, if I can't be a superstar, why try? It's kind of a depressing view, but I understand the frustration. Yeah. Hey, man, we got to give Lloyd Banks a shout out one time for being honest. And we got to give Fantasia a shout out. Once this album drops, man, with that bison hat, you know that sliding <laughs> move that bison does? Yes. I always yeah, that... use bison and I use that move. My brother hates it. Tom, that move is R&B right there. That oh. <laughs> move is R&B? <laughs> it's like a reverse moonwalk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, there's another project that's set to drop in October, late October. Tank. Our boy Tank Elevation is set to drop, and uh, it has some pretty cool, cool features on it. I saw Sean Stockman on the track list. I saw JoJo, Luke James, Ed's cousin Chris Brown. Tom, mm-hmm. this is starting to look like an R&B album. Uh-huh. We're going to get suckered in once again. You already know. Uh, he, every <laughs> he time. Actually, how many times have we been here? But he, he actually did a song with Sean Stockman before, remember? And it actually wasn't bad. I think two albums ago. Yeah, there's no way the JoJo song could be turn up music, can it, Ed? Yes, yes, what? it can. <laughs> what? No. And listen, player, I'm telling you, we go through this every time, and I'm not saying that Tank can't do Tank music because he just had a feature on the Life Jennings album that was classic Tank, and I liked it. But mm. every album since Sex, Love, and Pain one, so 2007, we're like, this is the one where he's gonna turn it back. And he's going to do what we want, and we're going to love it, and it don't happen. Either we get a snoozer like Stronger, or we get a bunch of trap stuff. With the list of the guest list, I think this might be more of a mix than kind of outright trap. But I am not holding my breath on your boy anymore. We'll see what we get. Shoot. If I hear JoJo on a trap song, I'm bison sliding on all of you guys. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well we'll see how that album turns out comes out later in october um i want to touch on this really quickly we had a conversation about it i almost fought a couple of Aaliyah stands um oh, so no. much love to you guys i'm gonna ask you guys this ed i'll start with you with these two factors and they're not they're not tied to one each other but they're both real things uh mm-hmm. with Aaliyah's music post R. Kelly era not being streamable on the major outlets such as Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Tidal. Um, it is on Pandora if anyone uses that. I don't, but you know some people might. Um, so with that going on, plus this whole R. Kelly fiasco, where to me, when people look at that album, the first thing they think of is R. Kelly, uh, her debut that is. Does that impact Aaliyah's career or legacy at all? Because I feel like when we look at it from a long-run perspective, Aaliyah's legacy is going to take a big hit because of all of this. Well, I had talked about this a little bit before on Soul and Serio Cypher over on Facebook. Come join us if you're not up there. And folks got all in their feelings about it. But you know me, I'm going to keep it real. Here's my thoughts on that. First of all, when it comes to the Kelly stuff and the mute R. Kelly, 
let me say this carefully. So, well, of course, let me start out by saying if you got beef, leave my boys alone. Tweet me at E.T. Bowser. I understand the Mute R. Kelly movement, but the reason why not all people, some people are using that in vain is because they aren't consistent. To me, if you're going to mute R. Kelly, you're going to mute everything he's done. And that means a Michael Jackson songs. That means songs with everybody, Kelly Price and Aaliyah. Unfortunately, to Kyle's point, I don't think that's going to happen. I think of anything that people are seeing Aaliyah as a victim. And I think that, that that muting him won't necessarily hurt her. In fact, they will see her as, oh, we have to rally behind her because this is a woman he took advantage of. Not, oh, he's she's attached to her. She's attached to him, so we got to throw them all in the trash. To me, if you're muting R. Kelly, that's what you should be doing. That's not what I'm saying. To your second point, the acting, the actual lack of streaming. I think that it will hurt her legacy, but I do not think it's the end of her legacy. Because I think people who use that are kind of lumping everything into one basket. As you said, the music exists. It exists on YouTube. It exists on Pandora. It exists on the radio. It's still out there. It exists in samples. I think Aaliyah's legacy is going to take a hit because she's just not there. We live in an industry that's very out of sight, out of mind. So if she's not around making new music, every year it's going to fade. And to that point, there's a lot of fans that's like, oh, if it's there, we would go back and rediscover. Oh, for real? Most not talking about us and not even talking about listeners of this podcast because we are music fanatics. The usual music fan is not going to go back and do a bunch of research in the songs. And you want to know proof? Look at the two biggest songs of the past couple years. LMA song last year, that Lizzo song this year. Both those songs are like three years old. They didn't blow up at that time. They blew up after they became viral two or three years later. And then people went back and rediscovered it. People aren't going to go check the music until it's in their face. And unfortunately, Aaliyah isn't in our face. So while I want that music there for fans to have and to enjoy, I don't think it not being on streaming is going to hurt her legacy. Her just not being here is hurting her legacy. Well, Tom, I know one person that actually goes back and digs for the old music. Our boy Montrez Jones. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Montrez <laughs> Jones. Yes. One of our biggest supporters. So, yeah. Tom, what do you think about this whole thing? Do you think this will impact Aaliyah's legacy? Uh, I think Ed pretty much summed it up. I just think her not being here. I mean, is someone like a biggie on Spotify? And is that really keeping his legacy alive? I don't... He I, is, I just, and it's not. Yeah, exactly. I look at it the same way. We're still going to celebrate Aaliyah every year on her birthday, on her day of her passing... You know, people are still going to listen to her hits, but, you know, I think I think it's, like Ed said, her not being here really is what hurts the most. Right, right. Well, guys, at least we got the music that we have to, to hold on to, and we have some classics in there, so shout-outs to Leah. No shout-outs to the Aaliyah stands. I can't believe there are still Aaliyah stands in 2019 that have to defend <laughs> her. Like, come on, guys. Also, it's like... Yeah, let's get over it. And then lastly, 
I, I'm with you, Ed, on the whole mute R. Kelly thing. You can't make exceptions to the rule because if you make Aaliyah the exception and you stream that debut, well, guess where that money's going to, Mr. Kelly. Exactly. Look at the album cover. She's sitting there and R. Kelly's peeping around the corner like some like weird old <laughs> perv. Like, that's, that's right there for you. And that's my mm. issue with cancel culture in general online. Like, y'all want to cancel stuff until it's something that you want to hear. Then you make excuses for it. Keep the same energy or leave me alone. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're going to bring in our special guest for this week now. Uh, we got Bridget Kelly, Tom couldn't make it for this when we recorded this earlier in the week and uh, it's a shame because Bridget Kelly and Tom go way back I think Tom you were like one of the first to interview her but uh, we'll talk about that later guys grab your popcorn and your soda because Bridget Kelly is coming and like I said every week we try to bring in someone special someone who has brought soul back and Ed who do we have as our special guest I know you're excited about this one yeah, man, I'm hyped about this one. An artist who has had our ear for, man, going on about 10 years now. I'm getting old, dog. But the <laughs> one and only Bridget Kelly is in the house to yeah. talk about her career. What up, Bridget? What's going on, guys? I know it has been 10 years, right? Man, we all, we all getting up there yeah. at this point. Man, don't remind me. My knee's hurting. That's okay. 30 is a new 20. 30 is a new 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep telling myself that so I can yes, believe it. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So, uh, Bridget, before we get started on your career, and we have a lot to cover, like you said, we've been following you since day one. What we like to do when our guests come in, we always like to ask just to start out with, you know, what were some R&B albums that influenced you growing up or made you say, holy crap, I need to make something that's as good as this? Are there any that come to mind? Um. Tony Braxton, Tony Braxton's uh, self-titled, definitely. Um, that was one of my. That was like one of my favorite. That was one of the first albums I really listened to, even as a kid. Um, without without understanding like what most of the lyrics, most of the songs were about, that was a huge one for me. Um, and then uh, later on, it was um, it was it was. I mean, it was Brandy's Full Moon. It was Lauren Hill's Mis- Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, Man, Alicia Keys' first first album, Songs in A Minor, was major for me. Um, yeah, just a lot. Um, I think those are those are probably the top for me. Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey's uh, Daydream album was also big for me. I love Mariah; she was one of my favorites growing up. Nice, man. That's now, a lot of roster of hits, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ed, I love that Bridget mentioned the Tony Braxton debut because you were just talking about it. The other day, Ed, what do you love about the album? Bridget, I want to hear what you love about it, too. Yeah, man, we were talking about it just recently because when you talk about albums from that era, and we talk so much about how influential Babyface was in that era, I dare you to find a complete album from front to back like that debut. It's just airtight. And something that artists really, in my opinion, struggle with today in creating albums is song sequencing. You let that yeah. thing play yeah. from top yeah. to bottom, the way it leads into the next song and to the next song mm-hmm. and to the next song. That's an album. That's not a playlist, y'all. That's an album. Right. And that's why that album works so well for me. I know Bridget can speak more to that, but that's why it's one of my favorites of all time, too. Right. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, for for me in particular, that album 
that album was really dynamic to me. Um, it was a lot of movement. I felt like the transitions, I, I've always, and I haven't done it yet, but I will. I will at some point. Um, I feel like the Full Moon al- album really gave me the transitions that I needed. You know what I mean? I, I love the idea of creating a body of work where one song literally just moves fluidly into the next. Um, and someone like a Toni Braxton, to me, part of why I always loved her growing up was because she had a deep voice. You know what I mean? Everything that she said, even when she was heartbroken, sounded sultry. You know what I mean? It sounded really sexy and raw. And I just always, I always loved Toni Braxton's voice. I loved her tone. Um, And, you know, every one of those songs to me was such, was a smash. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very rare, too, nowadays where you listen to an album that, Literally, not not just can you not 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 only can you play it from beginning to end, but there's also there's so many songs that you just love. You know what I mean? Like that are really great records. You know, I mean, you mean the world to me. Seven whole days, another sad love song. I mean, there's so many joints on there that really make you candlelight. Which was actually, I mean, and Gia, my manager will laugh because I, when I was like eight or nine, when I was probably I was probably like eight years old, eight or nine years old, and I I recorded like a, a lip singing video, and it was the to Tony Braxton's Candlelight. And I didn't know what, mm. again, it's a, it's about like a sexy night with your man, and I had no idea what this was about, but I just thought the melodies were so good and just, I mean, how, how how like, you know, sexy Tony Braxton's, like, her her voice was and smooth, it was just smooth, right? Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I think, I think that's what's, that's what's missing now from R&B albums is the transitions and really taking your time to make sure every song Every song hits, you know what I mean? It hits the same way. It makes you feel, strikes the chord. It makes you feel, makes you feel something. No question. No. You go back and Absolutely. listen, and you hear that love should have brought you home into I belong to you, yes. into how many ways, into you mean the world to me. You just turn it off. And she's not even Oh, done. yeah, the turn intro. How many ways that intro to how many ways is the same? It's just like, come on. Yeah. yeah. But, guys, I have to ask you, before we hop into your career, Bridget, is that album better than the Secrets album? Which album is better? Oh, Ooh. yes, because this is an argument. Yeah. I need you, you to know send what? it forward. Um, I'm going to have to say yes. As much as I love Spanish guitar, I'm, i got to say yes. Um, oh. To me, it was, because, you know what, though? It also had to do with the, with the timing in which it came out. I think, I think the Babyface, I think the Babyface era of music bodies most other eras of music. And I think really that that first, for that to be the entry point, that for that to be her entry point and to land as hard and as strong as it did, I mean, I think it's, it's tough to top that. You're on the right <laughs> side of history. Yes. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Bridget, let's talk about your career. Uh, Tom, unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us, but he was actually – the one that introduced Tom is my guy, you man. to all Tom, of us. Yes. Tom has been at every one of my shows. Tom is the most patient. Like, we would do, we would have to do, people would be hounding me for pictures and everything. Tom would be sitting in the back just waiting, just like, you know what? Hey, just wave to me like, hey, what's up? Whenever you're ready. Tom, <laughs> Tom was a team player, man. I, I, I rock with Tom. I love, I, I, I really, I love Tom, man. Shout out to Tom one time. Uh, yeah, shout out to Tom. But Bridget, I'll tell you a funny story here. Around this period of R&B, this was like 2010, 2011. So yeah, about 10 years ago, 
Um, I was pretty much done with R&B because it had gone so different than what we had grew up on, that Tony Braxton babyface sound. And I remember Tom, he was really championing your sound and your music. And he told me to listen to a record of yours called White Lies. And when I heard it, it's not necessarily the most R&B song of all time, but when I heard the storytelling and then your vocals on that record, I was like, holy crap, like, what? this is amazing. And and so that was my entry point uh, to your music as well as thinking about forever. But Ed, what was your entry point to Bridget's career? Well, you mentioned it about that era, that kind of post-2009 going into like 2010, 2011. I agree with you. I feel like R&B once we got to the beginning of this decade, it got kind of lost because this is the time when hip-hop started to dominate. We had R&B artists, like, dipping their toes into hip-hop. And hip-hop and R&B have always been married. So it's not that much of a stretch. But we had our beloved artists out here trying to rap, and then the rappers trying to sing. And I'm like, what am I listening to? But around, it had to be, like, 2012, when Bridget dropped Special Delivery over. Yes over because that was a sound that was fresh but it was also true to the roots of R&B. So when I heard that I was like, okay, we getting on the back the right track. So that was my entry point. Nice. So Bridget, I do want to ask so around this era, uh well, first and foremost, what was it like being a part of this era and probably being the last time where, you know, labels really had artist development, but also being in that weird time in R&B when People were doing EDM music, people were doing auto-tune hip-hop music, and here you are trying to fit in with that traditional R&B sound. What was that whole era like for you? Um, I think the digital age of music really forced everyone into kind of a creative spiral. Um, I, don't think, I don't think labels were developing artists at that point, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I, think artists, I think artist development is a lost, is a lost trade, and I think nowadays... Um, because everything is so accessible on the internet, everything is so um, all the all the content and all the the I guess the I won't say talent, but all the attempts <laughs> the attempts right. to break into the industry, everything is so oversaturated now that I, I think that um, you know it's it's hard. I find that I find that most um, I find that I love you. I find that most most artists. Most artists that came out around the time that I came, Melanie Fiona, myself, um, BJ the Chicago Kids, uh, I think I think we were unfortunately the last the last class to kind of come out before music before music streams and everything really became a popular a popular medium, um, which was yep. hard because we ended up we ended up competing with a lot of that YouTube social media sensation stuff that we weren't really trained for or by. So, um, you know, from that from that perspective, I mean, I think I think it's 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 been a double edged sword because I think we were we were trained we were trained and developed to to operate with our artists our artist persona and entity being something that was for the public eye and our personal lives were our personal lives. You know what I mean? The beauty of being an artist and being an entertainer was that you were able to create this image that could exist in the public and still maintain some level of mystique and mystery, right? We were the right. last mm-hmm. we were the last we were the last generation that thrived on that. Everybody else that came literally from like two thousand and ten onward were brought up in the in the age and the generation of oversaturation and overexposure. So 
I don't think I don't think I can't really blame labels for that. I think that really just had to do with technology. I think technology granted people access to personal lives and to you know the, the ultimately the ability to fabricate and embellish things in a different way. You know what I mean? Nowadays you go on Instagram and it's really just about it's, you're still creating the image and the persona, but it's just a matter of how much how much of that content can you can you put out on a daily basis. That really is what makes you relevant, not the talent, not the hard work, not any of that. So, I mean, I think I think we we kind of we kind of got the short end of the stick because we weren't bred we weren't bred to operate that way, and we were we were forced to play politics and then compete with other artists that came out right after us that really didn't have to work that hard. They just made a video, put it on YouTube, and someone decided that was good enough. You know. Mm. That is a fantastic point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Bridget, when I mentioned the song "Thinking About Forever," I'm still mad about that. Like, it got to the point where, and to this day, I have your version of the song. I don't have Frank Ocean, and I'm gonna stick with that forever. But, oh my, uh, so with, petty. Hey, you know, listen, I love Bridget's I, version. I listen to that I let one. It, I let it go. I let it go. And the reason yeah. I let it go really was because at the time, at the time, I was salty about it, and then. Frank made a valid point that did not really come to fruition until later on, which was the fact that ultimately the guys would not have pushed that record and, and given it the life that it needed to get. And it was a really, it was a smash record. And, you know, I feel like we recorded other songs that were just as good that did not take on the life that they should have because they weren't promoted properly. They weren't adequately placed. They weren't, you know, I wasn't I wasn't thrown and thrust into the main into like the in front of the main audience on my own as an artist the way that I was with Jay when I was on tour with him. Do you know what I mean? And I mm, and, and right, I remember right. that being that being one of the reasons why Frank took the record back was because he really felt strongly about the fact that the song was bigger than me, and he didn't believe that the label would spend whatever, do whatever, call whatever favors to make sure that that record took on the life that it took on and. You know, he ended up being right about the fact that the label really didn't fight for me necessarily the way that I hoped that they would have in any other in any other capacity with any other records that we recorded. So, right. You know, ultimately everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, I understand why Frank did what he did, but you know, I think at the same time too, having having now written records of my own, I understand the the emotional attachment to, you know, I understand the emotional attachment to songs and and wanting to. Wanting to make sure that, that they they end up in the right hands, you know. Mm. Well, I'm just gonna put it out there now. Your version still sounds better, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Bridget. What what are some records that you wish you know if they had came out as, uh, as singles during that era? Because I look at a song like Every Girl. That song had so much edge to it, so much flair. What are some records that you felt like should have came out? Um, Love You After All. I love Love You After mm. All. Um. Obviously, every girl. My heart was another one. Um, yeah, my my heart. My heart is another record that I really that I really love. Um, I'm trying to think of what other records I dropped at that time. Um, obviously, I mean, White White Lies was not really a, a commercial record, but it was definitely a fan a fan favorite. In the morning, I wish yeah. would have taken on. I wish in the morning would have taken on. Um, would have taken taken a lot a lot more. A lot more time and, and worked with it, especially after we put Meek Mill on the on the remix. I feel like that should have been a record. Um, and for my second EP, I mean, Cocaine Heartbreak to me, I felt like yep. was really a, a, an incredible song that should have been 
I mean, we recorded a video for it, and it never, it never, it never came out. So you know, really? I, just, I feel like, huh. yeah, we did a we did a record myself, um, and Luke and Luke James at the time did a record, shot a record in black and white. It was really incredible. Um, and that was kind of you know that was that was that was something I wish would have would have gone further, but that's pretty much it. Right. Gotcha. So, Ed, let me pass it on to you. We had waited so many years for Bridget to drop a album. You know, we had seen a lot of her peers, Elle Varner, Luke James, they all had a chance to drop an album, but it wasn't really until, like, 2018 that we saw a Bridget Kelly album. And, Ed, you checked out the album, and you actually really liked it. I sure did. It ended up on my list of one of the best of 2018, and I felt like... Hey, thank you, Ed. (laughs) No problem. You did that. But the thing that I struggle with, and you kind of touched on this as well, I feel like there's so many artists, especially in these past few years, that are dropping quality albums, and they just aren't getting the exposure that I feel like fans need to see. We were just talking on Facebook in the Soul and Stereo Cypher about albums in the past five years that people may have missed yeah. and flown under the radar. And people mentioned King and Case and all these great yeah. records, and yours, of course. What do you think we need to do as R&B fans looking to keep the genre alive to uplift artists like yourself to be like, hey, y'all, put that down, go listen to Reality Bikes, Joint Side, let's start getting some momentum behind these talented artists. What can we do to spread the word? Um, I think I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a matter of spreading the word. I think it's really about more artist collaboration. If I'm being honest. I don't think I don't think R and B artists band together the way the hip hop artists do. I don't think R and B artists go on tour the way the hip hop artists do. Um I would I would really say, I mean I would like people I wish people went to concerts more. Do you know what I mean? I wish people were more apt to buying concert tickets and paying a good price for a concert ticket. You know, I think mm-hmm. the only artist the only artist and but but you know what, the other the other thing I have to say too I want more R&B artists to to really get back into live shows and really get back into live performances because I don't know a lot of R&B artists that tour and and give great live shows. There aren't that many, you know what I mean? And I think that that's also a lost art too. A lot of a lot of R&B artists don't hit the road and with the band with their band and really culminate their live show experience. Um you know, I think it's either it's either you have something totally stripped down and underproduced that's like that's giving like MTV unplugged or it's some over-the-top, multi-million-dollar production. If you're Beyonce, you know what I'm saying, and you can afford right. that, then mm-hmm. then that works. Otherwise, it's kind of like, you know, what else? What else is there? I love yeah. that you um, mentioned the fact that artists need to collaborate more. And Tom and I and Kyle, we've talked, we've all talked about how we see that so much in the hip-hop realm, but in R&B, we just don't see it that much. And then, right. I mean, we had talk there. As Kyle knows, there have been, like, some things with artists where there'll be a couple on the bill, and it's like, this person can't perform, this person, we need this artist without it. There's so much infighting that I feel like that is also holding the genre back. That's a great point that you made. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a huge part of it, you know? And, I I mean, the other, the other thing is, too, I feel like social media has made everybody really um, – really addicted to the attention and not and not the actual career and lifestyle of an artist um which is is hard you know what i mean it's very difficult to 
keep up with things when you're not making making money from your craft. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of a lot of artists, which which I don't think is a conversation a lot of artists want to have, but you know, the majority of them, where money is concerned, I mean, everybody everybody looks good on Instagram, but they, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people got three and four roommates living in their apartment, and <laughs> Pre- you know Pre- they don't, they're not out here really getting to it the way that that they portray it on social media. So, I mean. Yeah, it's it's hard. Being an artist is, is hard. It's really hard. Um, and I think the reason I've the reason I've been able to rise above a lot of it is is because I've I've I'm, I've been a multifaceted entertainer since I started. You know what I mean? I've I've been able to host things and conduct interviews and you know brand myself in a different way outside of just being a singer and a songwriter. Um, you know because I I can't afford to put all my eggs in, in one basket. No. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean I think that's kind of that's that's been yeah that's been that's been what's what's kept me afloat. Right. And I'm I'm so happy you brought up the fact that you know us as consumers we not we 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 need to do better honestly. Um and, and maybe even after this interview after this podcast you're still gonna have people that are wondering where Bridget Kelly went and we're like listen to the podcast but even more importantly Ed. I'm going to bring up a record right. here on Bridget's album. I mean, album, I, have people, little... I, have people who, I have people who will tweet me and say things like, I can't wait till you drop new music. And it's like, bro, I just dropped the whole mm-hmm. EP. Like, a, not <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're yeah. not even paying attention for real. Like, people yeah. just say it. People just say things just to say things. Where were you yep. at in August? Like, the joint dropped, like, like a month ago. <laughs> I'm saying. Like, I feel like yep. people just say things like that just to say things, just to contribute to the yeah. conversation without actually thinking about the fact that this is something that that we're releasing, that we work hard at, that costs us money, that costs us time, and we probably have gone through a lot of emotional turmoil in order to produce this product. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. But you know, I'm happy. I'm happy. Last year, Reality Bites was a really incredible project for me. But that really was a project for me. I really needed to to complete a full length album. That was that was like a goal of mine from when I started. You know what I mean? I've I've always I've put out EPs and I've never put out a project a full length album. That was my first album. I was really, I was pleased with it. Um, you know, and this this year, this time around, I've I've, I've decided to go to, to take the Chris Brown route and just drop EPs and start dropping. I'm gonna just start dropping singles after this now because I I just feel like with all the music, with everything that's with with the, the market constantly being oversaturated with stuff, it's a lot it's a lot harder to drop a full length project and put all that effort into it. And it not be received the same way because people have such short attention spans. Mhm. Yeah. I agree. So. But Ed, I'm just gonna throw it to you because you really talked about this song when you did your review on Bridget's last album. It was the second verse of the song "Little Did You Know." Um, you know where Bridget says, "But I can't blame the label, though they should have brought more to the table." I guess I'll check it up. Check it up to politics. Grateful for the moments that I won't forget. Now I got to level up because I wasn't fighting hard enough, I'll give it all I got this time and do it right. Ed, that is like the most honesty we've heard in R&B in like 10 years. <laughs> well, see, that's what I've been talking about for the past, I don't know, since 2012, however long we've been following Bridget's career. Like, I feel like one of her strengths has been that type of honest songwriter. Where do you think as far as, well, first I'll put it like this, when it comes to bringing that type of honesty to your music, is that difficult for you? And if not, no. why don't you think we see more of it, and in, in especially in R&B, a genre, we just talked about Tony and 
and Babyface and how strong that writing was and, unfortunately, how vapid some of the writing is today. What gives you the strength to be so honest? And why everybody else ain't writing? Be real. We <laughs> I mean, I reality. Think, I think people are honest. I just think their reality is a lot simpler. Their reality is a lot stupider than ours was. Do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> yes. people are less interested in storytelling and more interested in just, like, regurgitating ideas that they've heard before or that somebody told them was the cool thing to say. You know what I mean? I don't. I think it's. I think people's truths are different, for one. But also, music is a new and shiny game. And I feel like if you're not, if you're not reinventing yourself or you're not coming with something different that separates you from everybody else, you know what I mean? It's also timing. I think I. But one thing I have learned above all else is that timing trumps talent. Timing trumps. Timing trumps hard work. Even timing trumps talent yes. and hard work. Very true. You know what I mean? It's really yeah. a matter of when you release a project, when somebody that you know, when somebody notices, when someone gives you a cosign, when somebody, all of those factors and components are are crucial in an artist's success. You know what I'm saying? I look at someone like a Snow Allegra who is insanely talented. Her timing is could not be more perfect. You know what I'm saying? Her timing oh, is so perfect. Yes. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I have been yeah. on her for the past two weeks, begging people yeah, to like listen to this Yeah, all of her stuff that she dropped before is just as great. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. But yeah. it's still not. You know what I mean? But it's like no one, no one is necessarily listening to all the older stuff. They're all paying attention to the present day stuff. You know what I mean? Which is which is fine. I just you know she's been she's been out releasing music for a few years now, so that's. You know, I think timing, timing, timing is a huge is a huge component. Yeah, it is. Well, hopefully, people go back and check out what's already been put out. But let's talk about your new project here, Bridget. Um, yeah. You know, you had the single "Lucky You" that came out, and I gotta admit, when Jennifer, shout to Jennifer, when she sent me the record, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it because you know, <laughs> like we talked about, I like traditional R and B. I like I'm I'm old headed, yeah. right? I like that traditional stuff, but. When I sent it to Ed and Ed listened to it, he was actually quite positive about it and, and said, you know, Bridget did it well. She did that sound well. Ed, can you elaborate on that? Exactly. And first of all, Bridget, if you don't know, I ain't positive about too much around here these days. But I was riding with The Great Escape. And I'll tell you why. Because it used current sounds. The problem I have with um, a lot of music today is that it rides trends blindly. Like, they don't put a right. new spin on it. It just sounds like right. whatever everybody else is doing. But what this project was, an opportunity to kind of take those current trends, but you were able to put a little bit of that Bridget on it so it doesn't sound so copy-paste. Tell us a little bit about your mindset going into the creation of that EP. Um, Great Escape for me was, to be honest, I started working on an album about nine months ago, and I felt like I wanted to just, I decided to, to split the project up into two into two parts and do two EPs instead because I was really writing a writing from writing from a much more con- confident and sexy perspective, um, and I think I think I'm more comfortable with it the older I've I've gotten. You know what I mean? But also understanding, right. you know, even even the the content. You know what I'm saying? I was I was really I was really focused less on the sonics of the project and more about inciting a reaction. I was more interested in, in, in somebody's in someone's feeling and what somebody would feel when they heard a record versus trying to tell a story. I'm not storytelling on this project. For me this right. project is about is about activity. It's about motion. Um 
I did a I did a um a listening session at Title and something that they asked me as far as like where I saw it fitting, I didn't have a genre answer because I think my I make music I make music to drive to. I make driving music. Every one of my songs you can you can listen to in the car. Lucky you you can listen to when you're going out with the when, when the you know, girls are going out and they they're trying to you know, they're trying to see if somebody's gonna get lucky with them. You know what I mean? It's true to me was like, okay, we driving down the West Side Highway, it's true to me embodied like a real New York summer where you you know you just you 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 roll the you roll the windows down and you I mean you you're not really going that fast on the West Side Highway because you know that traffic go but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's just it's that idea or even coming up the FDR you know what I mean it's it it's true felt like a real New York like you don't know my name Amory why don't we fall in love type of vibe but still driving in the car just playing to me was 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 probably the only traditional R and B song on the project on purpose because I felt like there still needed to be something flirty and romantic and still still very still still something for my my diehard traditional fans that love that love love the way I love love and sometimes you know even even when we think we get it right we end, our pride gets in the way our ego gets in the way and then we got to just you know kind of double back and be like okay sorry <laughs> and i think women nowadays more than ever women are more confident in every disposition they're in when it comes to a relationship and even down to admitting admitting they were wrong it's it's not popular opinion but i think most women most women come to the come to the conclusion and and admit that they're wrong a lot more willingly than men do at least in my generation right Sure. You know, and don't wait. It's just a fun, a fun, a fun record. It's a, it's fun. It's got a little island vibe to it. Like I said, I, I really, I really made songs this time around for, for the car. You know what I'm saying? For the car, for, for activities, for, you know, for, for any, for any age demographic, for any, any scenario. Just, just something that's on the go, just to represent something to make you want to move. Absolutely. And, and Bridget, we're, we're almost out of time here. You know, appreciate you for joining us. But we got to ask, uh, before you got on the call, of course, you were part of Love & Hip Hop, which, you know, you Ed and I don't necessarily watch, but, you know, do you <laughs> think that benefited your career at all? Um, I do last year. My last season my last season um, was really incredible because my entire storyline was centered around my, my album, my album dropping, my album promo, you know, where my cast was able to take a trip to London because I had a show and promo lined up, and it was the first cast trip that Love & Hip Hop Hollywood got to take. So I was happy to kind of be spearheading that and be at the forefront of that um, to kind of bring bring the show to the next level, but also really utilize the platform the way I intended to and didn't get a chance to the first time, you know, which was really just to push music and promote music. And even if I was involved in drama in, in other people's situations, it had less to do with that where my life was concerned and more to do with the fact that I was focused and still still working on my craft. So yeah, I think overall it has it has benefited me. I've I've made a lot of connections because of it. I've had other TV opportunities because of it. Um, so I think I think I think as a the sum the sum of all the parts has really um, has really amounted to a lot a lot of money, a lot of a lot of um, professional relationships, and you know just more open doors, which is really the point. You know what I mean? If if I can't if I can't if I can't utilize it, if I can't make lemonade with lemons, then I'm in I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Great perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Bridget, that's it for us. Is there anything you'd like to add? Thank you. No, just thank you guys so much for the support on The Great Escape. I really appreciate it. You guys really have been riding for me for a long time. Um, you know, just to my fans that, that are still 
still loving the music, still looking forward to more music. There's a lot more on the way. I haven't stopped. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And just, you know, keep supporting your artists, man. Keep showing up for them. Keep keep posting their stuff. Keep streaming their music every chance you get. Put people on. Go to concerts. Um, you know, and, and engage. Engage as much as you can with artists. I mean, the beautiful thing about social media is that we are accessible. We are accessible 24-7. So, you know, reach out. So, Bridget, appreciate you for joining us and just want to let Thanks, you know guys. we'll always support what you've got going on. So keep us posted and uh, we'll be sure to feature it all. And all right, guys, that was Bridget Kelly on the podcast. Tom, she gave you a massive shout out there. Yeah, sorry I couldn't be there for this interview. I remember interviewing her for the first time back when they were first introducing her. And uh, at the time, they were just pitching her as like Jay-Z's new artist. Didn't really have a lot of music out at the time. So it's interesting how far she's come in her journey. You know, it's always interesting to look back. That was like when the site first started nearly a decade ago. So props to her for uh, the shout out and and joining us on the show. Mm -hmm. And Ed, she was super cool. She gave us a lot. Um, I think the one thing that kind of stood out to me was her point on how her era was the last before the social media YouTube era really took off. So she they kind of got lost in the mix. That was a great point. And she made a lot of great points, but I feel like that one was very salient. She really understands, I think even more so than a lot of newer artists these days, the ebbs and flows of not just the the toil of being an artist, but the fans and the listeners and how to connect with them. And she realizes that being away from that and she was kind of in that weird wave before the industry kind of turned over into what it is now as well as the previous era. So she was kind of caught in that odd generation. And we've talked about before a few of those artists who were kind of in that weird limbo of really talented people that kind of lost themselves because they weren't able to fit into either category really well. She mentioned um, Melanie Fiona, that's another one, who seemed Mm. like a surefire star, but just couldn't transition from new school to newer school. So it's kind of stuck in that limbo. She made some great points, and to her point, she's got some good music on the way, good music out there. She's one that's worth celebrating. Absolutely. Now, guys, let's get into the soul backtrack of the day here uh, to celebrate LaShawn Daniels. Can we go with the record You Rock My World by Michael Jackson? Mm. Absolutely. Can I? Yeah, we can. I will say, though, because I got to be honest. I remember that was the big comeback record, and it took a long time for that one to grow on me. I don't know why. I loved the video. It took a minute for it to get on me, though. It's one of those ones I can listen to now, but in 2001... I was like, ah. but it's part of one of those out those songs has become a long running legacy for LaShawn. So shout out to him and his family for helping to put Michael on for that comeback. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that video when it came out Ed, and how epic of a comeback the video was and his return at the time. And I actually liked it at first, believe it or not. It was huge. They, I remember the video debut to this day. It was a huge deal. Yeah. Chris Tucker was in the video as well, and the beat's actually crazy on that song. And I read somewhere, and I gotta go back and listen, but I think that beat and uh, He Wasn't Man Enough by Tony Braxton, it's like the same beat, or it's very similar. I'm trying to hear it in my head right now. I think I can hear it. No, I said it at the time. It's very similar. It's They're kind of like 
I don't know if it's like a slowed down version, but if you listen to both, especially back to back, you can really hear it. Yeah. Because that came out around the same time, right? Yep, it was the year after. Yeah, so there you go. Um, guys, can we get into the Play of Please Awards? No, you know it. <laughs> um, we can start off here. Uh, Ed, Nicki Minaj retired? Please. This woman <laughs> didn't retire at all. This is an unusual woe is me play who wants some more attention. So for those who aren't paying attention, this woman has been acting like a complete brat because her fans are finally growing up and seeing through her foolishness and most likely gravitating toward Cardi B. That's another subject. But she's decided to retire, so she says on Twitter. Then the next day, she deletes the tweet and it's like, Oh, in hindsight, that tweet was uh, abrupt, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Player, you couldn't stay fake retired for a day. Go away. Uh. I thought that she would take, like, maybe three months off and then come back and say, Oh, my fans demanded that I have new music. But no, she couldn't even last 24 hours without having attention on her. What a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Did you throw a party when she tweeted it out? No, I was the main. It's funny when she tweeted it out, everyone was tweeting me saying, I know you're celebrating. And I was the old man looking like Birdman on the um, Breakfast Club with his arms folded. I was like, I don't believe it. She'll be back in a couple months. She was back the next day. Oh, and now we and now we can hear more great Nicki Minaj music. Tom, I got to ask you when Jay-Z retired the first time. Did you believe that? Actually, I did. Didn't you, Ed? No. <laughs> what? No, I Come did on. not. I said it, too. I was like, no one retires. No one goes away. I was like, she will be back. I called it. And he did for mm-hmm. his credit. He, you know, he moved on. He got a new career. He stayed away for a few years. He didn't tweet the next day, my bad. He stayed away, <laughs> but I knew he'd be back. You, yeah. it's too, especially a Jay-Z, there's too much gas in the tank, too much money to be made, and too much ego. Fair well, enough. Like I said, Ed, we've got Nicki Minaj music coming on the way, so stay tuned. Uh, no, <laughs> let me get my barf back. Oh, man. Uh, the next play please, we have, guys, is for Chance the Rapper, who got married, I think, back in March... Did an interview recently and said uh, the motivation to get married and to man up was because of Offset and his actions with Cardi B. Ed, that's very gentleman of him. <laughs> Just gentleman of him? I learned how to be a husband by learning from a man who cheated on his wife. Boy, I pray for your marriage. Look, everybody gives Chance, who, again, I'm not the biggest fan of. That album was straight up doo-doo. But the... There, there's like there's a contention that like gives him a bunch of crap because he's gotten married. There's nothing wrong. You're listening to a podcast with two married brothers sitting on it. Marriage is fine. I have no problem with him celebrating marriage. I have a problem with whack music. You can talk about your marriage and not put out garbage. He couldn't figure that until you can figure that out. Leave me alone, Chance. And Tom, did you know that Chance's latest album is actually his debut album? Uh, through some technicality or something. I don't know. Yes, player. (laughs) Well, Kyle, talk to your girl, her. She's got 17 
EPs and no album. So you in the same boat. Listen, it's 2019. You got to get creative with it, guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Tom, is, uh, just, just so we're on the same page, Chance the Rapper is a fake nice guy? <laughs> you said that, and I had to agree. It's oh, okay. all, <laughs> the music industry is all gimmicks. You know that. Uh-huh. You got to fit in where you fit in, get people to catch on. We didn't have a nice guy currently in hip-hop that filled the void. Next thing you know, he's huge. Well, I will give him credit. I do think he is a nice guy, but I do agree that I do think that they push that as his persona. Again, I don't care what your persona is. I got to have some music that's actually listenable, and he ain't got that right now, so he is off my radar. Isn't Kendrick Lamar a nicer guy than him? I don't know if he's a nicer guy, but he's a nice (laughs) guy too. But that's, again, not his persona, so that's not played up. Isn't Eric Carson a nice guy? He's a nice guy. Is who Offset? It, is Offset really? a nice I, guy? I, I'm <laughs> no. sure Offset's mistress thinks he's a nice guy, but I don't know if Offset's a nice guy. <laughs> all oh, right, all right. This. Calm down, guys, because we all know Tom doesn't care about nice guys. He cares about cool guys, and Wally is a cool guy, right, Tom? Wally is cool. <laughs> oh my, he's one oh of the he's God. one of the greats. Do uh-huh. I need to go down the list of all the R&B artists he brought out the best in? Um, You can name the three, yes. Did you even listen to that one album, Ambition, where he made of Lloyd sound like Michael Jackson? It. Of course I listened to that album. That's actually one of the few albums that's halfway listenable. <laughs> Still not Dude, great. He got he got Stokely to produce two of his albums. Who can do that in hip-hop? I, well, that's true. He's cool with Stokely. He's still so on some mediocre stuff to me. All right. <laughs> let's remind ourselves this is an R&B podcast and a PG one at that. So let's scale it back here and let's talk about so one PG more play, one since when? Since always, man. It's on our iTunes. It's not even uh, rated 18 plus. We don't swear on this thing. Uh-huh. Tell Case that next time he comes through. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> We've got one more play it, please. Tom, uh, Popeyes gave up on making chicken sandwiches and they're telling you to bring your own bread now? Yeah, I mean, um, you got to be thrifty, I guess. If they run out of the product in the store, you got to just go to the supermarket and then first stop and then go to, you know, pick up your chicken, your slab of chicken next. Do it yourself. Boom. Same thing. Player, what kind of Build-A-Bear BS is this? So I got to go to your store with my own bread to pick out three or four chicken nuggets to throw in there. Chicken nuggets. So Chick-fil-A would never. Chick-fil-A oh. would never. Oh, man. Um, well, Tom, I guess in your case, you can go to the supermarket and get some whole wheat bread instead of, I don't know what kind of bread they serve with their, with their sandwiches, but it's not whole wheat, I, I imagine. Uh, yeah, definitely not. Can oh. I can I do a play, please, guys, real quick? Yes. I know we're out of time. Um, Ed, I'm going to sound like an old cranky man here, but mm-hmm. what in the heck is Hot Girl Summer, and is this a real thing I should be paying attention to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Hot Girl Summer. Look, player, I can't wait until math, not that math would be a hot girl, but I can't wait till your son <laughs> gets of age where he's like, running around the house talking about these crazy rap things and you're like what is happening to this generation 
Hot Girl Summer, first of all, is a tag led by Megan The Stallion, who, if you listen to Twitter, is the best female rapper of all time. Player, she ain't the best female rapper this month. I do not get the hype. She twerks well. And that's about it. Anyway, that's her slogan, and the slogan is, Hot Girl Summer means living your best life for the females this summer. Apparently, this is going to be like a smart girl fall or something. I don't know. But we got to continue to push this stuff. Apparently, she just got signed to Rock Nation. So, all you need is a hashtag and a slogan. Oh, and twerk man. skills. Okay, so basically the answer to my question is no, I do not need to pay attention to this. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'll tell you if you need to. That ain't it. Wait till she starts <laughs> featuring on um, all the next Tank songs. She coming. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, guys, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Man, it ain't a hot girl summer over there, thankfully. So we've got a new album review from my man Ghostface Killer. He's got his new album coming out. I still haven't watched this Wu-Tang series on Hulu. So, of course, he's got an album to coincide with that. And by the time this posts, I should finally have up a post that's been a long time in the making. Yep. I rank the discography of my boys 112. That should be mm. up soon. I already know I'm going to nice. disagree with that ranking. Now, I know <laughs> you will, but you're always wrong, so oh. we're used to it. Uh huh. Tom, what's going on with YouKnowIGotSoul.com? Not much. It was a slow week for R&B. I didn't really see too much come out. I always check my Spotify release radar nowadays. That's like a good way to find out what came out if I missed anything. It was pretty dead. So, yeah, it's been slow this week. What do you got? Um, I most recently interviewed Montel Jordan in person. I posted the interview on the site. Pretty much went through his whole discography with him. I think I'm going to start trying to do that more uh, in person with artists. I think I have a couple of interviews coming up. I think Lucky Day, BJ the Chicago Kid. They're on the same day, and they're at separate venues. So I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. Got to use some like... Uh, I don't either. I've done it before. You could do it. Teleporting moves. But uh, (laughs) we'll make that happen. Uh, And yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, yeah, we're just working on the site. We just upgraded our servers on our website. So it's going to probably run a little more smooth for anyone that still visits the site. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, I do have one piece of news that I forgot to mention here. Ed, I know you'll be very excited about this one. Mm hmm. Can we congratulate uh, Peeble Bryson here? Uh-huh. He has a newborn baby. Peebo still what? putting in that work? He like 67. Wasn't he Six. recently in the hospital, like on his, you know, in serious medical condition or something? Yeah, he he has yeah. some serious medical struggles. So uh, did he even recover from that? I haven't heard an update. Yeah, I think yeah, he, he recovered from that. He was fine, yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Yeah, he's yep. tweeted out several times since then that he's feeling better and on the mend. Clearly, he's feeling a lot better because he's birthing these babies around here. He better be feeling better. He's got to get up in the middle of the night to do feedings and stuff. <laughs> I don't think people. <laughs> I'm sure have you know all about that. <laughs> I don't think people have to do that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It depends. Yep. So, guys, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Shout-outs to Bridget for joining us. We'll be back with another guest. 
as we always try to do for you guys. And uh, it's good to hear from everyone here, and we'll be back next week. All right. Yep, we'll be back.